Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And this week we have our fingers on the pulse of the zeitgeist, folks. We're here, we're keeping up, and we're about two weeks behind everybody else, but that's okay. Because this week, at long last, we are talking about Cats. The movie Cats came up in the third episode of this show. That was 21 episodes ago, which is not an insignificant amount. And um, that was during our Airbud seventh inning fetch episode um, because the trailer had come out and everybody kind of collectively lost their minds for a while. And we recorded almost immediately after I watched that for the first time, which was um, a deeply moving and traumatic experience all in one. And um, we are a little bit late. We weren't able to see the movie right away, but, you know, we're prepared to make that kind of sacrifice for art we really needed time to sit and stew in our thoughts and one of the first things you might be thinking is how does this even count for the show seems like you guys are just breaking your rules so you can talk about something current and i'll let you know listener who's hypercritical of this show that in 1998 they filmed the stage adaptation and made that a movie so technically this counts um if somehow you don't know what we mean when we say the word cats Um, We're talking about Tom Hooper's new movie, who uh, you may know as um, the director of the Les Mis adaptation from 2012. It's based on an Andrew Lloyd Webber play of the same name, which itself is based on a 1939 T.S. Eliot book called Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which is um, certainly a name for a book. Somehow, one of the production companies on this movie was Amblin Entertainment, which is Steven Spielberg's company. That sort of blew my mind. But Liam, before we really get into this movie, I feel like we need to talk about the Cats experience that um, everybody had as the last year ended and now this new year has begun. So I want to know what your relationship to Cats is. And because I'm assuming that might not necessarily be with the musical, I want to know what you thought about that initial trailer and like the reaction to that. Sure. Well, I don't remember uh hearing about this trailer or seeking it out before you told me about it i very well may have and this may be documented in that Airbud episode of the show is this is this in the episode we talk about the cats trailer i think i mentioned it at the end but we talked i talked about it for like nearly 20 minutes so i cut a lot of it out <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah so so when the cats trailer came out um it definitely was all over twitter and i think i heard about it from Corey first um, I think Corey sent me a direct message and he was saying, yo, the Cats trailer is awesome. He he really loved it. You know, I'll, he'll tell you more about it. But uh, <laughs> I heard about it from Corey and I watched it, you know, maybe immediately, maybe not until after we recorded. Yeah. I, I sincerely don't remember, I but, but I saw the trailer. After, but yeah. So I, I did. I saw the trailer and um, I thought it looked visually uh sort of interesting it's definitely not what i expected um that sounds like a really nice way of saying bad (laughs) no no i actually i really don't mean that because i don't like that uh that people tend to like swing so far in one direction Mm. on twitter you know something is like either the greatest or it's the worst thing ever and um when the cats trailer came out everyone was just 
really piling on it. And so maybe that's why I, I ended up feeling, ah, you know, like I don't, I don't think about this that much one way or the other. It's not really grabbing me the way it is Corey, but also it, it doesn't look like something I'm going to spend much thought on. I mean, it's like CGI is used a lot in movies nowadays. So it kind of makes sense that in, uh, a movie about cats that's based on a stage play where humans play cats, they would just use CGI as the costumes to decorate humans. So uh, I kind of got what they were going for in that regard. I didn't think it looked particularly good. You know, I thought a lot of the human faces on the cat bodies looked awkward and unfinished. Um, and you and know, we they, they also have months. human hands and feet, which is a weird... It's weird. Right. Yeah, um, but we were still six months away from the film releasing, so I thought that might just be trailer effects. Um, I didn't get an idea of the plot. I didn't know what it was about. <laughs> I really thought they were... I thought it was clear that the trailer is just trying to sell. This like doesn't look like anything you've seen before, and so uh, that's, that's kind of why they're trying... That's what they're trying to get people's attention with. They definitely got people's attention with it. Um, maybe not in the way that they had hoped, but after the trailer came out, um, I saw it, I, I didn't think much about it one way or the other. And then most of my experience with cats from that point on has just been from you. So why don't you tell people how you feel about cats? <laughs> well, I think you're putting my interest in the trailer or my reaction to the trailer a little bit too strongly. Um, I thought you were going to say I was understanding <laughs> the trailer. I honestly, I feel like that's what I was doing. No. Um, so I think the thing that I was leaning into was, so because I watched it and then we recorded, all I had initially was like my thoughts to go on. And I definitely thought that the visual approach to the movie was weird and like a wild creative choice to make, but I was completely down for it. I don't want to say I thought it was awesome or that it was like a genius decision or anything, but I was prepared to be like, okay, that's what that movie looks like. And it's, it's something else, but um, I'm on board and I want to see where this is going and I want to see more of what they're getting at. And some of it I thought looked pretty good, all things considered. And I liked that they were, it seemed like they were really leaning into the source material, which I wasn't super familiar with. And then obviously, as we later learned, that thing got dogpiled online so bad and so viciously that yeah. it, oh, oh, it yeah. sort of made yeah. a lot of people's interest in it if they were like me shift from being unironic to at least a little bit ironic because some you kind of poison the well at that point with enough of an influx of wild takes on twitter that um you kind of lose the focus a bit and everybody's just like wow this looks crazy and it does, but crazy definitely sort of got attributed to also meaning bad. And um, some of the effects are definitely not great, but I was prepared to like look past that and meet it at face value as an interesting take on this thing, for sure. And um, in many ways, it felt like the cat's defender was logging on. And like I really had to carry that enthusiasm <laughs> as far as I could take it. Um, and then as, as things progressed, you know, I, I kind of... I tried to keep a finger on the pulse as much as I could, uh, which kind of meant thinking about it periodically as people talked about what a weird train wreck it seemed like it was shaping up to be. And um, ultimately, not being able to convince any of my immediate family to see it 
uh in the holiday season which um is not a huge surprise um seeing as the pitch is like so there's this there's this musical about a group of cats and um one of the cats uh has the power to let another cat die and they're all going to compete for that by musically introducing themselves because that's effectively what cats is about and that's a tough sell if you also follow that up with all the cats have human faces so didn't see it until later but i've now been stewing on it for a couple days and i also want to point out that there's a chance that liam and i are recording this in the optimal conditions which is we sat around waiting on technical difficulties for three hours liam has a splitting headache and i'm extremely tired so we're about as delirious as the creative team for the movie cats all that said liam one of the things i want to ask you about is what the theatrical experience of seeing the movie was like because right after the movie came out especially online things like twitter again you were getting a lot of reports of like really wild crowds and people who were just like bewildered and stunned and couldn't believe their eyes and um a lot of people even getting to the point of like straight up recording clips of the movie and then just posting them to Twitter while seeing it on that opening day because it was so wild to some people. So because we missed that window a little bit, I want to know what your viewing experience was like. So I saw this on a Friday evening, uh, two weeks after the movie came out. And I was I was wondering the same thing, what this viewing experience was going to be like. Um because I had read similar articles about people, you know, already treating this like it's the room or the Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. Um, and I thought that was really fascinating. I think the death of the artist is a true thing. And I think it, it also applies in terms of, uh, well, just in, in terms of this movie, you know, when I'm hearing, when I'm hearing reports that crowds are acting up in a way that's directly related to the movie it doesn't it doesn't read to me as like yo theater crowds today suck it seems very unique and it makes me think uh whoa it's really cool that this movie has come out and so quickly has like taken on a life um, of its own or whatever what does the what is your invocation of the death of the artist mean here i don't 100 percent follow oh so the death of the artist is that um uh, you know, when art is put out into the world, then it's up to the audience to interpret. Oh, that's all you mean? Uh, okay. It, however they see fit. Yeah. Right. I, and so I, I thought if, you meant something like specific with this. And I was like, oh, God, I don't understand what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. So so if the audience is two weeks after this film interpreting it as a Rocky Horror Picture Show type experience, I think that's actually right. really valid. And like, I think it is kind of unfortunate for the couple people who... Well, I don't know about couple. It's a it's a long running musical. Maybe there's a bunch of people who wanted to go see this movie. And, I was in uh, a theater with them. We will get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I guess I feel kind of bad for those people. But at the same time, like this is this is the movie that was made, and it's sort of asking for it. You know, that's how I feel. So um, yeah, Cats is almost more interesting already as a phenomenon than it is a piece of art. Um, because people are already just looking past it as, um, something to be examined and it's already become like almost purely experiential in that brief window where it's like, it's something you have to go witness rather than something you really like evaluate. It's like a theme park ride almost where it's like, have you ridden cats yet? Like you gotta yeah. go, man. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And I felt that way right after the reports came of the movie being unfinished in its opening weekend and that a patch needed to be sent out to theaters. Welcome to the 2020, folks. We patch movies now. I got it into my head that, oh, man, I really like do need to see this if i don't see this in the theater i'm gonna like miss out on a zeitgeist moment um and i want to be clear that doesn't mean i wanted to i was going to see this movie to like trash on it because it's gonna be terrible and i'm gonna laugh at it i wasn't feeling that way at all i was just thinking i'm gonna see this movie and however the movie makes me react i mean that's that's how it's gonna be you know and uh the screening i went to there were probably about 10 people in the theater or so, um, besides myself and a friend I went with, I would say there was one person who looked like they were seeing the movie just because they were into the musical. You that know, was Andrew complete... Lloyd Webber himself. Yeah, yeah, this is complete <laughs> judgment, of course. But as I walked into the theater, this person was the only person sitting alone. And they were eyeing me and my girlfriend as we walked in <laughs> and watching us go down the steps and and into our seats carrying like, you know, like a, a bag of popcorn. And I felt that they were like they knew you were a podcaster yeah like here's here's a pair of people that aren't here for the love of the musical cats and i felt you know i felt kind of bad i was like oh this you know i i I really don't know that person's story you know i don't even know their name but that's the way i felt um besides that everyone else was in pairs or groups um i had four 20 something year old guys sitting right next to me um, who were arranging their uh, their seating places <laughs> before they sat down? They were like, "Oh no, I need to sit next to this guy." And I, because I guess um, you know, one of them, like maybe the funniest guy, needed to sit in the middle or so something. They could all hear his um, great jokes. Yeah, so they they seemed to be there because it was going to be an event. They didn't seem like they were uh, cats fans, if I had to guess. And um, based on their their reactions during the film, I would stand by that. Oh, they, was it a uh, loud crowd? They weren't. They weren't. Uh, they certainly weren't obnoxiously loud, but they weren't. Uh, they weren't dead silent in that you know uh, <laughs> how people. You're supposed to be silent in a movie theater, and then when you get out, that's when you can kind of release your emotions and uh, and really um, examine the way you're feeling. I think. But these people, um, they were reacting to the movie as it happened very fairly, I think. And so there were a lot of laughs, a lot of gasps, and um, a lot of dumbfounded facial expressions every time I looked over. Yeah. Yeah. That that tracks for when I saw it, too. So I saw this on New Year's Eve um, in the middle of the afternoon. And it was the busiest I have ever seen the theater that I went to. It was fucking insane which seemed really weird for that day, but we went to like um, a multiplex, a friend and I, friend of the show, Mitchell, uh, who we're hoping to have on at some point, but I want to give him a quick shout out because he went through this with me. And um, as we were walking up to get our tickets scanned, even we were talking about how like we knew what we were in for, like we're not here to necessarily see a good movie. And then um, the employee who was scanning our tickets, she was like getting in on the joke with us. It was like, yeah, you guys kind of know what you're in for, right? And we were like, yeah, we know. And like we were chatting about it. So it's weird how much the reality of the movie has like permeated social discourse. Like everybody kind of knew the score with what this movie was. Um, But then we we went in and um, 
I guess our audience was the only people that didn't. It was a lot of like old women, um, like primarily old women and like a handful of older men. And it was uh, like three rows were full by the time we came in. And a few more people came in after. There were people who came in like 20 minutes late and I will get to that because that is a completely mystifying decision. Um, but it seemed like an audience that was, they weren't really talking even when like commercials were on. Um, and they seemed there to just enjoy cats. Like there was not a shred of irony in that room except for a little bit from me and Mitch. Um, and we tried to not ruin other people's experience, Mm. but obviously there was some like muffled laughing handful of gasps. I was definitely slack jawed a couple times. Um, but we kept it civil because we recognized sort of the room we were in. I was mostly just surprised at how busy it was. That was super shocking. Yeah, especially because I don't know why I said ex- especially there with a C. I'm like a fourth grader. <laughs> especially because um, uh, the movie is like losing a lot of money, oh right? That's God. what all the news reports are saying. Like 70 um, but, million. <laughs> but I do wonder, Corey, like if this movie had just come out six months ago like right after the trailer dropped they were just like hey we're gonna release cats would you have just been one of those people in the theater that are just sitting quietly watching it like at what point did you become an ironic viewer you've had you've had two different cats themed twitter names and i'm wondering (laughs) one of them like one of them was one of them insincerity, you know, six months ago when the Cats trailer dropped, and then this other one is ironic, or does it immediately become ironic after you hear the dog piling? Like, what's going on there? Um, I'm really glad that we're digging into the phenomenon of this so much, because it's so weird. I feel like we've never had something like this happen, at least not in our, like, quote-unquote, serious film-minded period of our lives, um, where there's such a high-profile bomb of a movie, but it's so widespread and people are so aware of it and it's such a talking point. I feel like that's so unusual and it studios don't take risks like that. So it doesn't really happen anymore. So to live through, it's almost weird. But so initially it was pretty much unironic and I'm obviously at a certain point, it became a little bit ironic, but I think what it comes down to is had I never seen the trailer and I just saw the movie, the movie is so what it is in such a way that it is impossible to witness it and not have your conception shift a little bit. It would have become ironic in the middle of the movie had it not been already because the movie makes some very weird, inexplicable choices. So it would have been impossible to get around that. That's not to say that I couldn't have taken it at face value for what it is and what it's trying to do. But at a certain point, I think my brain just would have flipped a little bit. Um, but my curiosity the whole time has been genuine, even after the dogpiling and the negativity and the, not outrage, but like the bewilderment. Um, I did genuinely want to see it. I wanted to see what came of it. I was on board with what it was trying to do. Um, and it's interesting to see how the demographic splits in terms of um, who's on board and who's not, because it seems less like it's strictly age related than it's more of an indicator of how online a person you are. I feel like if you are plugged into things like Twitter on a more regular basis, um, you were a lot more likely to have preconceptions about the movie in a way that were specifically informed by that online experience and the discourse there. 
rather than having seen the trailer independent of that and just been a person who lives their life away from the hellscape of Twitter um, and then seen the movie. I would be curious to know how people who didn't have that bias lingering feel about the movie, but it definitely played a part. Yeah, but what's so fascinating about this movie in particular is that it has truly transcended the Twitterverse. Mm, it has climbed mm. out of the hell of Twitter and is just like walking amongst us now, you know? <laughs> like, if, unless you saw it, Tame like it opening, opening night, Friday, you just like went out to see a movie and caught it. There's no way you can go into this without any preconceived notions, you know? Everyone in my house... Uh, we got a couple movie guys in the house, a couple people who don't who don't spend as much time on the internet. Movie like, boys in know, the house. <laughs> about people who don't spend as much time on the internet reading about movies. We got like my girlfriend's parents who aren't on Twitter, but you know, like check a couple news websites every single day or something. It seems everyone has heard about this movie and has heard about the backlash that's happened since it it came out so it really is is it uh, backlash just an interesting I, is that a moment fair in time word? i don't know if it's backlash i think it's just the response to the movie i think backlash is too mean mm, i don't know if i agree why not let's unpack that let's see how that goes well because i think people have been really mean to i'm this not movie. saying people aren't dunking on it but i think backlash implies that people had different expectations and they were let down i don't think anybody was let down I think people saw the trailer, knew what they were in for, and are reacting to that in a way that's mean to dunk on it because it's funny. But I don't think it's genuine backlash for most people. It's just like backlash without the back. It's just more lash. Well, I think it's just people performatively sort of amping up their reaction a bit because it's hilarious. And it is. I've seen some absolutely outstanding responses to this movie that have killed me. But um, I think backlash implies like some kind of audience disappointment or frustration that I think with the trailer already existing, you couldn't really have. And I think most people doing it, especially online, if it's not performative, which it is partially, I think inevitably, even me making my Twitter name, that is performative attachment to that movie. Um, and maybe that in itself is a little bit ironic, but we don't have time to have a therapy session right now. But I think that it's more just about getting in on the bit and having fun with the bit um, and the joke and genuinely being shocked by the movie rather than being like upset with the movie. Hmm. Well, uh, why don't we get into our reactions and I can uh, sure for anybody try who to speak to that. Hasn't had the pleasure of seeing cats. That description I gave earlier is basically true. Um, there's a bunch of cats. They're called the Jellicle cats. Um, they're led by old Deuteronomy, who is played by Dame Judy Dench, and um, Victoria the White Cat, played by Francesca Hayward, is abandoned there, and she gets let into the fold. There's the Jellicle Ball, where old Deuteronomy will make the Jellicle choice, and the Jellicle choice is to send a cat to the heavy side layer, which is a thinly veiled implication of heaven or some kind of afterlife, wherein they're reborn. Which also translates that it's just a bunch of cats who hate their lives and want to change them by dying. It's a very weird premise. Um, and there's a bad guy cat played masterfully by Idris Elva named McCavity, who's trying to rig it in his favor because he wants to go to the heavy side layer real bad. Um, I guess with all that out of the way, Liam, I there's no greater pleasure in the world 
than for me to turn it over to you here and let you have the first word on our reaction to cats. Sure. Yeah. And let's remind people here that while Corey and I are friends, you know, in real life, outside of your earballs, and uh, we talk often and we talk about movies often, we try to keep our opinions on the films we watch for this podcast separate. And this is know? only this is the first time that's actually happened. Yeah. yeah. I, I pretty much it? ruin it every time. Corey isn't so good at keeping his lips sealed, but this time I, I don't know what he thinks about this movie. He doesn't know what I think about this movie. So I kind of have some butterflies in my stomach as uh, we're finally, it feels like Christmas Day or something. We're finally able to talk about this because it truly, it feels like we've been like writing like a, a story, like a novel <laughs> in the last six months, you know, like I didn't even remember that we had talked about this on an episode about dogs, no less, six oh. months ago. But we planted and as the we seed. know, cats are not dogs. <laughs> we planted the seed early in our uh, in our podcast tale, um, a little prologue. And then we did all this talking before actually getting to our reactions. And we were uh, we put on our little historian caps for a little while. And uh, it's just this, this feels like a great moment. And I'm really excited to be here. So my thoughts about cats. OK, I want to reiterate that <laughs> I didn't go into this movie looking to dunk on it. And um, to quite dunk the. On it, man. Uh, okay, listen. Sorry. And and quite quite the contrary. Um, there are plenty of times that Twitter like goes so wild on a movie um, uh, in a negative way, and it really it really upsets me. Um, you know, like when uh, there there was a movie called The Open House that came out on Netflix starring the kid from Thirteen Reasons Why, a horror film, like a year or two ago. Everyone was calling it the worst movie of the year. Um, Darren Aronofsky's mother came out um, and people were really shitting on that one. Nicolas Cage's Wicker Man, you know, people still call that one of the worst movies of all time. All of like Weezer's albums after the second two, people are like, yo, this is terrible. We need to make fun of it. It's a meme. You know, those are all things that I like. Um, and I've liked them after hearing so much that I'm supposed to not like them. So I really I try to. um to you know do what we do on this podcast take things all all on their own see how they hold up and so that's what i was doing with this one um i don't have a single positive thing to say about this movie Corey. <laughs> all that set up and you're just like fuck this and and listen, and I really don't want to be performative on this podcast, no, no, no. you know, because the what? because the performance the performance on Twitter and people being like in all caps like tweets like oh my god, there's someone named McCavity and McCavity's he's like, so horny. Yeah, like honestly, shut up. And then like YouTube reviews where people like like they start like someone like reviewing the emoji movie or something and they start and like people are just like the reviewer, for example, is like staring at the camera for like a minute just in silence. Mm -hmm. And then he starts screaming, you know, like it's yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, like it's a movie calm the fuck down. All right. So, no, I'm not I'm not going to do that here and I'm not going to I'm not going to try to I'm going to try to not like make a bit out of it. But I truly, truly like think this movie is abhorrent. I think it's like awful, disgusting. It makes me okay. It makes me. It makes me hate singing. I love to sing. Okay. I, I love. 
singing is one of my favorite things in the goddamn world. Okay, I don't love I don't love musicals too much, but I love singing. This movie made me hate singing. It made me afraid that I was going to hate cats. I got home afterward and I saw the cat that uh, lives in our house, and luckily I didn't resent him. And that's only because <laughs> the movie actually like has very little uh, to do with cats. But and it also that's this a movie, very like, good point. This movie has like nothing to do with cats at all. Yeah. And on top of it all, dude, this movie made me forget like what a movie is and it made me forget that good movies exist like i was watching this and i thought that i was and this is gonna sound performative and i swear it's not it made me it it made me feel like i was like dreaming this movie and that i was going to wake up and think for like 20 minutes like hey that would be a cool idea for a movie you know there's like cats and they're like humans and they're in like this kind of big but also kind of small world and there's like magic and shit insane yeah and then like by the time breakfast comes around you know when you have dreams like this you're like oh you know what maybe that wouldn't be a good idea for a movie that's what this movie really felt like except it's an actual movie that's that's on screen and i don't think that's fun so you didn't enjoy this you got no enjoyment out of that experience i didn't sit silently the entire time i wasn't just stewing in my own anger i laughed sure I, i i gasped I hissed at the screen, and yes, I had a good time watching this with my girlfriend, the love of my life, who it turns out also hated the film. Okay. But no, I would never, I would never recommend anyone see this. I feel bad that I put money in these people's pockets, um, and I really wish the seventy million dollars or whatever the budget was had just been. The like budget was a hundred. <laughs> I just wish that had been like donated to a third world country or something. And this makes me like everyone in this movie, I now dislike them. I love Taylor Swift, dude. I love her music. I love her singing. And uh and like now I just I'm kinda like, yo, maybe I don't like Taylor Swift. Wow, all that like much it's that anymore. harsher response. Yes, like that you, yeah, I, you think less of every single person involved in making this. Yes. That's yes, incredible. That's, that's um, accurate. So really quick, I want to touch on the performative thing a bit. I, I wasn't trying to say that like it's inherently performative or like your reaction can't be performative or sound performative. We're performing right now. We're making a fucking podcast. But like I was definitely getting a bit of a feeling that at a certain point people were no longer talking about the movie and they were talking about the existence of a place where you can make jokes about the experience of watching the movie. If that makes sense, like it stopped no, being I- about the thing. And yours is about the thing. You're allowed to feel that way still. And I don't want to begrudge people doing that because I still think like jokes like that on Twitter are funny and I want that to exist, but they're two different things. Absolutely. Yeah, I felt the exact same way. And um, I had thought all this before doing the podcast and before seeing the movie. And I'm I'm really cognizant of not trying to come across that way because I think there's a space for that. And then there's a space for uh, like just genuinely responding to the movie and uh i'm trying to fall in the latter camp and so uh sure. yeah i didn't like this cory what okay. about you man um what wow your yours just your reaction just gave me so much to unpack that like i almost just want to talk about that but this is a two-way street yeah pretend um, i didn't say anything for just for a minute or two so i don't even know what to say to preface what i'm about to say so i'm just gonna say it and we'll figure that out after. I have a running joke that eventually we're going to disagree on something. It it might be this, but but 
in this but it's so important liam still don't think the movie's good yeah just had a good time <laughs> have positive things i can say about it and that sounds like disagreement enough because it sounds like you went through absolute hell <laughs> um i don't feel nearly as strongly in my negative response and i actually feel like a lot of people were over exaggerating the severity of the movie that's not to say that some of these choices aren't wild there's a point where a cat unzips its skin to reveal a cat body it's a lot i don't like looking at it it's bad um there's a point where um bustifer jones as played by james corden is drinking champagne being poured all over his face and it looks like james corden wants to die i'm going to vomit dude um but i think that this movie is a lot of fun i think that i was already kind of on board with it and i think if you take its weird badness as what it is it can be a good hang and you can have fun i think being in an audience with people who are kind of on the same page makes that better i think it's definitely a wild way to do a cat's film but i'm more or less on board with the attempt and um i feel like especially the online reaction um, is somewhat overblown. I was actually surprised at the moments where I was actually bored. Um, and I wasn't expecting to be bored, but that's what happens sometimes. So, okay, we're really at a bit of a crossroads here. I'm not sure how to approach the, uh, the impasse that we've reached. Um, we've never done this before. We've never done this before. So has anyone ever done anything like cats before? This is new territory for this is uncharted territory for humanity. <laughs> it um, really does feel that way. So I think the first thing I want to do, um, just to sort of give our brains a bit of a break, a bit of a palate cleanser, I'm just gonna thank you read the cast list. Is that okay? Can we start? I there? would I would I would really appreciate that actually. So I'm gonna give off the Jellical cast of Jellical Cats. Um as mentioned, we have Francesca Hayward as Victoria the White Cat. We have Dame Judy Dench as Old Deuteronomy. We have Robbie Fairchild as Monkus Trap. Don't know what to do with that, really. Lori Davidson as the Magical Mr. Mistopheles, which is a banger of a fucking song. Um, Mitch and I both had it stuck in our head after, which I thought was funny. Um, oh, that's a song in the movie? Yeah, dude. Yes, when they're trying oh, to get old Deuteronomy back from McCavity and he's trying to do the magic thing, they do the magical Mr. Mistopheles song, like, over and over again. Well, we'll talk about the music in a bit. Well, clearly, if I've remembered it and you don't, we know where we're at. Um, Idris Elva is our antagonist. He's McCavity, the mystery cat, who allegedly has broken every human law, which we'll have to unpack also, because does that imply, like, vehicular manslaughter and tax evasion? It might. Um, <laughs> Did you come up with that yourself? That's a good one. Um, in the interest of transparency, I read tweets making a similar point, so I don't want to take full credit for that. But it's a thought I had the second that line was said in the movie. I was like, "Every human law? What That's the funny. fuck?" Like, so maybe like I accidentally pulled vehicular manslaughter out of a tweet and used it here, not trying to bite anybody's goofs. But wow, what an insane thing to say in your Cats movie. Um, Jason Derulo as Rum Tum Tugger. Jennifer Hudson as Grizabella the Glamour Cat. James Corden as Bustifer Jones. 
Rebel Wilson as Jenny Any Dots the Gumby Cat. I don't know what that means. Uh, Danny Collins as Mungo <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Mungo Jerry that sings uh, this, that summertime song. Like, in the summertime when the weather is high. Do you know that one? Mungo Jerry? No, was it's that in fine. the movie too? No, it's a different person in real life named Mungo Jerry. Uh, okay, no, I Whatever. don't know him. Uh, Naomi Morgan as Rumple Teaser. Uh, Stephen McRae as Skimble Shanks, the railway cat who does a really killer tap dance. Ian McKellen as Gus, quote, Asparagus, the theater cat. And last but not least, Taylor Swift as Bombolernia. So how do you feel about those? Uh, I had to mute my mic so that Did you couldn't you actually... hear me involuntarily wretch every time you said a name. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Well, okay, so I really don't know where to start because I had a bit that I was going to do where I was going to be like, what was your favorite cat? Sounds like you didn't have one. What was your favorite sequence? Sounds like you didn't have one. I can't ask what your favorite nightmare from the movie was. Did you have one of those? Do you mean like what was just a nightmare to me? You can interpret the question however you want. Uh, probably any time James Corden was on screen. Like, I already think he's a disgusting, awful person. I'll admit that one. Is... And so, like, any time he was doing stuff, I I thought it was very nightmarish, yeah. What did James Corden oh, and, do and... to you? Uh, well, nothing to me in particular, but I, I certainly have, like, seen a lot of clips of him just being an asshole to people. Oh, so. I didn't know that. I'm not a fan of his late night work, and I want to stop seeing that Peter Rabbit trailer before I carve my own eyes out of my skull. But, um, yeah. Okay. So good to know. Um, did you have a least favorite cat? And was that also Bustopher Jones? Um, a least favorite cat. Cause I'm assuming you don't have a favorite cat. I'm just going off of the thing you're giving me, which is that you hated it. No. Okay. Well, no, I'll give you, um, I don't want to just say that I like, I know that I said, I don't have anything positive you're to say. You're entitled to and- not have anything positive to say. And that's, that's true, fine. but that that doesn't mean that I can't like entertain these questions and, and sure. you know, yeah. instead, so I don't want to just write them cat? off. Who is your so favorite my favorite, cat? my favorite cat, I don't know his name and I don't know the actor's name because gonna, I didn't I'm gonna take know time to line 100%. these guys up. It was the one that didn't, the male cat that didn't have as much of a human face. Like he just, oh, he no. kind of actually looked like a cat. I don't know who you could possibly mean by that. Like he was obviously a human. Well, they all are he, Liam. What does he do? But he, <laughs> but he, he, he licks his lips a lot, um, <sighs> especially he... over Judy Dench's shoulder at the end of the movie when she's talking to the camera about how cats aren't dogs. He's licking his lips, and he's, he's not a he's... magician. No, he's not the magician. That has to one. be Monkus Trap then, because are you talking about when they're on the fountain in broad daylight and it looks terrible? At the end of the movie, yeah. Yeah, um, it would have to be him, played by Robbie Fairchild. It would. That's the only other option. Right, okay, so he was my favorite... Well, he... <laughs> okay, he was my favorite cat until I actually, like, saw him doing things. But just in terms of his design, I think he looks... He's the best blend of a cat and a human. It doesn't just look like a human's eyes. God, the way like- you're describing it makes it sound like this terrible chimera nightmare. <laughs> It is, dude. The first time I saw the one that uh, I'm gonna sound like, like the one that looks like Robert Downey Jr. to me. I don't actually know which cat he is. He has eyes like Robert Downey Jr. He's like the main male cat. That's the same cat I just told you about. 
No, not that one. It has to be. That's the only cat behind her shoulder at the end of the movie. They have to be the same cat. <laughs> no, no, no. Because there was there was two male cats. The over other one's her a shoulder, magician, and then there was Liam. Victoria. <laughs> yeah, the other one's no. Mistopheles. No, because the magician had the mustache. What? No. What? Sure he did. No. I don't know. Bustopher Jones has a mustache. Oh, is that the railway one? No, that's James Corden. The, ra- the railway Holy one shit. also might have a mustache. Wow, you are really in this shit, huh? You have no idea what you witnessed. Uh, okay, well, maybe... Okay, so <laughs> Magic Cat... <laughs> Magic Cat looks all right, and... He looks uh, a lot like Robert Pattinson. It's distracting. Yeah, and I like the way Robert Pattinson looks, so Handsome that makes sense. Man. And then, And then the one who isn't... Uh, who 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 I thought was the magic that I thought I liked that looks like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that like is his face. It just looks so so much like um like a Photoshop job like I would do that it's just like <laughs> I like the movie. I don't know. Like kind of like the annoying orange, like that sort of thing. Like it's just like <laughs> eyeballs like pasted onto Fuck. a surface. Okay. Um, like it looks like the second I saw him on screen, right? And I don't remember seeing this guy in the trailer, so I wasn't prepared to react this way. But the second I saw him, I like, I audibly gasped because it just looked so like pedestrian. I thought it looked okay. terrible, you know? And so, and so this magic cat, he actually like had fur Dude, it's all Mr. over his face Come and on. stuff. I'm not dignifying him by calling him Mr. Mistopheles. The magical Mr. <laughs> Mistopheles. He had fur on his face, and he actually kind of looked like a cat human. So he was my favorite for that reason. Great. Okay. Um, wow. My brain is just going a million miles a second. I have no idea what to do. I've never been in this position before. <laughs> um, fuck, man. Um... I don't even know, like, what to ask you. Well, why don't you just tell me, like, what you liked? What was cool? Okay, that's a good point. May as well. Um, I think it's sort of like, it's what I said earlier, where if you kind of meet the movie at its level, because it makes it very clear from the trailer, like, what it is and what it's doing. So you know what you're in for. It's not going to be any more or less than what it's presenting you with, which is a weird-looking movie that is also an adaptation of cats a nonsense musical and i think if you take it for what it is um you can enjoy it i found that i enjoyed some of the music um not all of it in particular there was like a recurring motif that was this weird like synth line and it was like extremely 80s synths and i thought it sounded cool but i couldn't replicate it here um the Mr. Mistopheles song definitely got stuck in my head. I thought the initial back-to-back with Victoria and Grizabella... Is that her name? That's not right, is it? That's got to be it. Dude, yep, you that's know it. I can't tell it's you. It's Grizabella, um, where they do Beautiful Ghosts and then Memories back-to-back. Those were good songs. I enjoyed that. That was nice. It was weird to like slap a very deeply emotional moment in the middle of everything else going on because it's such a weird thing to witness that it's very like strange. But at the same time, the movie shows you its hand a lot um, with what it's kind of doing. Um, Mm. I I think that there are flashes of like a sliver of self-awareness. 
I don't think there's enough self-awareness to call the movie self-aware because if it were, it wouldn't look like this. That's just kind of the bottom line. But there's a lot of fun to be had, I think, with the fact that McCavity is magic and he disappears into puffs of, like, dust. And when he does that, he just yells, McCavity. (laughs) So, like, Idris Elba is, like, dressed as a cat man, like, like a 1940s detective in a big fur coat. Um made out of fur and is already a cat and he disappears into puffs of smoke saying the word McCavity and he goes like McCavity and he vanishes that's funny got a real big kick at a Jason Derulo yelling the word milk that was pretty good um I found that I kind of enjoyed how fucking disorienting it is um because like you sort of mentioned earlier the scale of the movie is not consistent ever you can never tell how big these cats are supposed to be relative to everything around them. And it seems like they're far too small most of the time. Like there's that sequence in the beginning where they first sort of meet and it transitions into like a place with like gravestones and it makes them seem like microscopic almost. (laughs) Um, But then later there's like a bit in a kitchen where the cat's like wearing a ring as a bracelet and holding like a regular sized human fork and knife, which I recognize everything I just said sounds completely fucking insane. But like, I kind of found like a perverse joy in like never knowing what I was going to see next. And I think having to keep my reactions to myself more or less to not like ruin it for other people also made it kind of fun. Cause like, having to internalize bewilderment was kind of interesting but i think like fundamentally two things are true about my experience with cats the first is that um i think a lot of the shock value was taken away by being on twitter because people were tweeting like full-on clips of the movie um you had a bit more of an awareness for what you were getting into and i think that dulls the experience a bit like there's a bit where um Jenny Any Dots is doing her song and there's like an army of tiny cockroaches marching in sync and they're all just weird tiny cockroach bodies but with completely normal fucking human faces and that would have broken my brain more had I not seen it on Twitter already but I had in motion and everything people were just filming it in the theater um don't get me wrong still insane <sighs> still looks terrible still have no idea why they did it that way completely batshit somebody asked Tom Hooper if he's okay but that sort of spoiled the wildest shit and made the whole experience seem tamer. But also the reaction was just so pronounced that when there are stretches of the movies that feel boring, frankly, like where it really slows down and you're like, okay, what are we doing here? That you're wondering where that initial response came from beyond the way it looks. And I honestly found that at a certain point I adjusted to the aesthetic of the movie. And I accepted it for what it was. And I was like, this is what cats looks like. And I'm here. And we're doing cats. So I find that if anything, um, I was underwhelmed at points far more than I expected to be. Um, and I think that potentially it not being just shock after shock after shock made it easier to accept some of it as just straight entertainment. But that's not to dismiss the fact that it's still often and regularly fucking insane but insane in a way where like you were saying how it parallels the room and rocky horror and stuff if you can see it in a theater and you don't 
know a ton about it. I'd honestly say give it a shot because you might kick yourself if you didn't get in on the fun. Because there's fun to be had. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I shall respond. Um, <laughs> this is like a debate. <laughs> a debate okay, on the merit so... of cats as mainstream entertainment. Yeah, that's what we need to title this podcast. We need to step out of our just putting the movie title yeah. as the title, and this one is going to be like a, it's a podcast essay, an auditory essay. So hearing you say all these things, I think that I should have been in the boat of having a great time with this movie and really liking it. Okay, so in my theater, I was sitting next to a row of dudes about my age who were clearly there to just have fun with the movie and it sounded like they did and i also wasn't familiar with a lot of these uh twitter things that you're talking about that have um sort of softened the blow i i didn't know you know i saw the cats trailer once but beyond that i hadn't actually seen any images or moving clips um or like talks about plot points or character names anything like that yeah. so so with all that stuff coming at me at once i think that's more likely f to make me not like dislike the movie but actually to have a rocky horror the room type experience um and i would have appreciated that as much as I say, um, I'm just trying to like fairly critique this movie, I think coming on this podcast and saying, you know what, I just, I kind of, I laughed at the movie and I had a good time with the movie and I don't think it's like good and I wouldn't recommend it, but I still had a blast. That would, that's like a fair critique, right? Because yeah. that's my response and to frankly, the movie. And frankly, that's um, what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's shocking like, if, to if me I, that you did not have a good time. <laughs> If I gotta say it, that's what that's what I was expecting me to say too, because I've done it on this podcast before, you know. Like I came back from what, like Air Bud, where cats all started, and I was like, "Yo, this movie was like a total. It was a total blast. There was so much in it that just made me smile." Um, we had a couple movies like that, and for about twenty minutes, half an hour, this movie was kind of that, you know, when characters were showing up on screen with their like deformed little faces i was gasping and i was just i was um and i was like smiling and reacting and i was i was having fun for sure um and this is an experience that i'll never forget i don't i don't want to i don't want to downplay that um it was certainly <laughs> okay well, we'll get into that later yeah 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 um but no for the first 20 minutes or so i was i was reacting very strongly to the movie and it wasn't in a like rolling my eyes like oh this is this is so this is so abhorrent so, and this is like so was there a moment then that broke it for you yeah and please um, tell me what that was <laughs> What I think it was, was when it was the one-two punch of Rebel Wilson and James Corden showing up on screen and doing their whole musical bits. It was around that time that I real Okay, so, so the aesthetic of the movie has started to kind of just become normal for me. Like you said, you the know... The movie looks like a PS2 cutscene and there's nothing we can do about that. <laughs> that's right, and it's not going to change. And you start to realize about, I'd say, 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the movie that there's not going to be much talking you know it's a lot of like speak singing you're not actually gonna 
um, figure out like what these characters' motivations are. We're not. This isn't a traditional movie, you no, know. The motivation so, is everybody wants to go to the heavy side layer because there's the Jellicle choice happening, and to do that, they have to impress Old Deuteronomy by singing. That's the whole thing. There is yeah, literally yeah. nothing else to be had. <laughs> Right, and so 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the movie, I, I'm realizing that, and um, I guess I'm, I'm ready to just settle in, and I can't laugh at the movie for two hours straight. That doesn't, that doesn't feel right. So um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in, I guess I'm just getting like kind of exhausted, and then when James Corden shows up on screen and he starts... Um, doing like really childish humor like when he when he gets mm -hmm. launched up by the seesaw and lands on that his was crotch so weird at that point i started to think like wait who is this movie for this actually this okay this isn't for the guys next this wasn't made specifically for the guys next to me who are laughing at it but it's also like not a serious adaptation of this musical, I don't know. I don't know the tone of the. There musical, is no such thing but... as a serious adaptation of this musical. <laughs> okay. It's impossible. Like this is just what cats. Right, is. right. I think the yeah, humor yeah, yeah. doesn't land there at all. But it wouldn't get any more serious or dramatic than this. I don't think, as far as I understand right. it. Right. And I'm not. I'm not looking for something dramatic, but I'm just looking for something that like. Why is this play like now a movie? It needs to be something that is cool separate from the play because despite the play running for so long so many people are gonna go see this not knowing what the play is and like it needs to make sense and i get why people would see a play that like let's say okay let's say the play has the exact same like script and there's the same amount of ratio of like singing to speaking and stuff all that's the same i get that there's a spectacle of just like seeing people dance on stage and like i bet the the set is like real large um compared to like <laughs> small ca cat members and stuff like that's okay that's kind of cool members is when... really cute <laughs> thanks thanks man but but yeah when you put it on screen about 20 or 30 minutes in i'm thinking okay this is this has lost like the novelty that it had for the first 20 minutes and now i've just got to start thinking of it like a real movie and Rebel Wilson is just like rubbing her body in a really strange way on the ground and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be laughing at it because people are laughing at it but it doesn't seem like the movie is meant to be laughed at in that way because James Corden is like landing on his crotch and also this movie like cost hundreds of millions of dollars to make and it has really really famous people in it so there has to be something more going on and so I started to just feel like really dejected at some point. And, you know, I didn't check out of the movie. I certainly, I was, I was reacting throughout the, the, after those 20 minutes, I still reacted throughout the rest of, you know, the hour, hour and a half, however long the movie was, you know, lots of like, um, lots of retching and that's not performative retching. Like this movie, like seriously, like it, Maybe I just have like different fears than other people or something, but okay, we talked about in Black Christmas how the phone calls scare me because like they're sort of human, but also not quite yeah. human in the a way we can Valley understand. Is what gets you. 
Yeah, and so this movie, like, genuinely got so many reactions out of me that, like, weren't just, like, oh, you know, oh, this is so fun and gross, look at that. It was genuinely, like, oh, like, oh, I can't, I can't look at this, That's and then... fascinating. Yeah, and then, you know, at some point, like, my girlfriend in the last, like, 20 minutes just started hissing at the screen, and it wasn't a joke. Like, it was... It was. Are you a hundred percent sure that hissing at the cat movie was not a joke? Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it afterward. Like, it's not like a like. Obviously, she knew she was doing it. The movie like didn't mind control her or something. <laughs> but, but like because the movie has established this weird sort of normalcy that like people hiss at the movie, um, and people hiss in the movie, and uh, they do people, like. <laughs> Uh, and people like are like screaming at each other in the movie and they're like wailing high notes in each other in the movie it's just like after sitting there for an hour and a half your your understanding of communication is just like so so disoriented and i think this is why the movie sincerely like kind of made me lose touch with what it's like to see a movie in the theater because this is so different than anything i have ever seen before it sounds like you dissociated from reality uh yeah i mean i think so i think <laughs> so because this is it, you're literally describing it as if like your fundamental understanding of how society functions broke down <laughs> like yeah and maybe that's because i didn't want to be content just laughing at this for like two hours like maybe maybe i was okay with that for 20 minutes or something and i didn't make the decision to start thinking about it in a different way but at some point i don't know dude maybe it was just like the mood i was in maybe i had like read some fine literature beforehand or something <laughs> but i really i really started to think about it in a way that um i've never been uh made to think about in a movie theater before because i've never seen anything like this before and the result ended up being discussed by the end of the movie you know this still sounds like a valuable experience for you to have had though am i wrong in saying that is valuable too yeah. strong a word because it feels no, like you got I something out of this because it was so abnormal for you Absolutely. No, I think that's completely fair to say because there are movies that I would, um, you know, if we're using like letterbox ratings or something, there are movies that I've seen in the theater that I would rate the same way I would rate this movie. And there are movies that are like very forgettable and I didn't like them while I was watching them and they kind of their choices like upset me while I was watching them. But they still, they didn't stick with me at the end of the day. And this movie has really, really stuck with me. And uh, it's something I'm going to remember like for the rest of my, but um, I can't in good conscience recommend someone see this. Well, it's in theaters at least because... No way, man. You cannot suggest that somebody might watch this at home. There's no way somebody watches this at home. No, I could I could see people like putting this on TV, getting a bunch of friends over. We've said it before in the podcast, and like getting some food and watching it. For me, it's just I don't want people to give money to anyone involved in this. I think um, I don't think that like we should be 
supporting this kind of thing with our money. These people have millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're doing just fine if this movie fails. Um, and I don't want to support people going to see this, but I also I understand that my experience was valuable. And sure, I think other people could have that as well, but I'm not going to have at people what have that at my behest. Yeah, because I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what their reaction is going to be. So when I asked my two roommates to go see this movie with me, because they've heard of it, you know, um, I asked them to go see it and they said no. And I said that, you know, that's totally, that's totally understandable. I'll come back. I'll tell you what I feel, what I felt about the movie. And then you do with that what you will, you know. Yeah, and I think, um, does it make you feel any better if you know that my tickets were free? Does that yeah, help at all? Because didn't, really we does. didn't pay for the movie. Um, so, you know. And I do think that, like, the the quote-unquote vote with your wallet response is valid. Um, but I, I don't feel the same way that you feel, only because I would love to encourage bigger studios to take a swing like this more often. However maybe this this is not the swing you should be taking right i want to encourage that kind of money to be spent on things that are not the kind of familiar blockbuster bullshit we cover on this show sometimes but um you know maybe you could have seen how this was coming along and decided that maybe it wasn't worth it i could totally see that um I do think, though, that if you lose the spectacle of the theatrical experience, this movie loses a lot of its experiential value for me. And I think getting a group together is still important. But if you're not seeing this like the room style, I couldn't imagine watching this on like a regular sized TV. That sounds like something a deranged person would do. Um, I don't know. I this was a more enjoyable movie-going experience than I've had with plenty of other movies even recently. And I'll give it credit for that. I enjoyed myself. I had fun with the movie. Um, I think fun can be had if you're prepared to meet it where it meets you. Um, I think the mindset you have going in is important, but beyond a certain point, it's sort of almost tainting the experience makes it sound like too holy um and it certainly is not that but um i think it's worth giving a shot if it sounds like something that might interest you on that experiential level that the zeitgeist kind of turned it into rather than purely as a cinematic experience because as a cinematic experience it's like incredibly weird a lot of it is shot in tight handheld shots that make it look like uh, like a documentary or something and that's really fucking disorienting. Um, and in the time since seeing it, I've read a lot of tweets and um, seen people reacting. And I'm seeing a lot of similar things where people are sort of baffled, not just about the content, but about its presentation. Um, I think the cinematography decisions are like completely insane. Um, but, you know, you can find stuff in there. There's stuff in here that I like, like some songs that I like for sure. And there's some stuff I find memorable just because it's like fucking out of this world. I have a soft spot in my heart for Shimble. Wow, that's not his name. Hang on. I don't want to do this man a disservice. I have a soft spot in my heart for Skimble Shanks, the railway cat, and his big old tap dancing number. That was a good time. I got to yeah, say, though, yeah, I like I'd, be a lot more, I'd be a lot more impressed watching somebody tap dance in front of me rather than separated... Uh, by time, space, and uh, understanding of reality. 
but uh, it was <laughs> a it, cat face. It was fun that they. I'll take a cat face. Whatever. It's 2020. I'll take a cat <laughs> face. Um, but, Tap uh, dance in whatever costume you want. Yeah, I mean it's 2020. Chase your bliss, dude. I don't care. But um, you know, I'll never forget the shot that looks like if they tried to render the movie Hugo on a Dreamcast of Big Ben in the background and they're just walking across railway tracks tap dancing in a line like silhouetted and they look impossibly small that will stick to with me till my grave and I can appreciate that um I feel like there's we could really nitpick every insane thing here but I feel like in terms of like meaningful conversation we might have exhausted our potential here um and I don't think there's really a ton of value in us going beat for beat because we're saying that people ought to see it for themselves. And I don't want to be the person who takes the wind out of the sails of that experience if somebody opts to do that. Um, so what I'm going to supplement that with is two notes from the Wikipedia entry about discrepancies between it and um, the original play. I've got two choice cuts here if you're prepared for those. Yeah, I would love to hear them. I was thinking a lot while the movie was on, just like what, what is this play? You know, well, uh, the, the play and, is the movie. That's the thing. Like it's this. Yeah, and and, and then, when that's the case, it just makes me even more upset at the movie because like, how does this go through so many people? And someone just says like, you know what? Maybe this doesn't quite work on the screen. Maybe not a it's single been... executive was like hundred million. And it looks like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think they're, like, doing enough that is honestly, like, interesting here in order to turn what was on stage into a movie. If this is exactly what was on stage, okay, your only hook is that these cats have, like, CGI'd human faces, but that doesn't even look the very only, good. The only hook is you have dancers that look vaguely like cats. It's not even cats that look like people. It's people with digital fur technology, tails and ears. Like, and it's worth noting that the 1998 film is the stage show shot on camera. Like, they knew beforehand that it wouldn't translate, so they didn't try and yeah, I, I that respect makes, that choice. That makes so much more sense, man. Okay, tell um, me about these Wikipedia. Entries. I only picked these two because they made me laugh. These might not give you a revelation, but uh, here are my two favorite. The first one is the subplot of McCavity's teleportation powers and his kidnapping of the Jellicles was not in the stage show. He originally only kidnapped old Deuteronomy, and even still, it was never revealed where he was taken. First of all, whoever is writing these, bravo. Incredible word choice pretty much from top to bottom. Second of all, cannot believe that was a purely fabricated subplot. Um, second of all, the battle on the barge takes the place of the, quote, McCavity attack, a battle ballet, which accompanied old Deuteronomy's kidnapping. Furthermore, Munkus Trap was the main cat to battle McCavity. In the film, Jenny Anydots, Bustopher Jones, Gus, and Skimbleshanks battle him. And what I really want us to focus on here, with the kind of energy everybody brought to our childhood fandom of America's Best Dance Crew, is the phrase battle ballet 
What does that's that mean, a... Liam? Uh, I mean, oh I, would I guess it's kind of like good it's like money to see a battle ballet. It's like uh, it's like battle rap, except you use your like body instead of your words. Truly, truly, this movie is all body, no words. So those notes, Corey, that really confuses me because <laughs> it, it makes me think. Okay, so they they had to have known this 1988 adaptation, 98. you know, exists. 98 adaptation 98. exists. Yeah. And they're and they're like, "Okay, so we need to do something more spicy than that, so we'll make like human type cat people with all our rad 2019 effects." Okay, so let's do that. But then at some point in like the filming process or the script writing process, they're like, "Okay, wait. No, this isn't like movie enough." This isn't narrative enough. We need to have a place where McCavity is taking them. And also, because we have movie stuff and magic, we can, like, make them disappear. But then if you're going to make those changes, why not make more changes? Because when you have what is just the play, um, with his, which is, like, just singing and no talking, which is super disorienting and then you have these small little like what feel like vignettes like for a minute or two and then you return to all this weirdness it comes it doesn't it doesn't like make a uh it doesn't stick these things it's together the way they need to it's very very incongruent when i think what it's trying to do is like fix the issues that people might have if they just adapted the play they're 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 trying to make it they're trying to have like the best of both worlds here and uh i think it ends up being like far less than what it would be had they just not tried at all yeah unfortunately liam i think only cats who get chosen to go to the heavy side layer get the answers to that question otherwise i think it's between tom hooper and god um why those things happened no one will ever know um eagerly eagerly awaiting the giant feature article that might come out someday and i saw somebody say this on twitter too and it was a great point um someday the behind the scenes stories of how this movie got made will come out and i cannot I, wait i am so yeah i'm so excited for that dude like a documentary or a wicked article or even like a book that'll be cool i would i'll, I'll pay for that yeah for sure. And um, I think that's Cats. I, I don't have anything else to say. I think if you meet it on its terms, there's the potential for a good time. But do not be completely dis um, persuaded by what I'm saying in terms of exaggeration. Because while that was true for me, this movie is still full of completely fucking insane nonsense garbage. Like, But there's a potential for you to enjoy it in a particular mindset in a very particular way. Um, and do with that what you will. <laughs> yeah yeah um and if you're like you know, liam you will uh have to fight off like nausea <laughs> yeah so like dude with cats we didn't even talk about the part where judy dench breaks the fourth wall we have to talk about that i'm sorry okay you go in so at the very end of the movie the movie makes two completely fucking terrible decisions the first one is show those effects in sunlight holy shit it's fucking terrible the second thing that it does that's completely insane is um there is a uh, old deuteronomy's singing a song about like i don't know fucking friendship or something i actually don't remember but um she's kind of recapping it for us and she starts by trying to explain to us what cats are but she stares right down the barrel of the camera 
and just starts talking directly to the audience about what cats are and very specifically that cats are like cats because cats are not dogs in the invocation of other animals because we've already seen mice and cockroaches and they're a nightmare shook me to my core because what do you think a dog looks like here oh man pretty bad so um, yeah i don't know why they broke the fourth wall i don't know what the fuck anything was also forgot to mention that uh there was a family that showed up with two kids like 20 almost 25 minutes after the movie started and uh, you could hear the kids um fucking with the recliners on their chairs partway through just because they were bored i actually read a tweet also where someone else pointed out that they could hear people just fucking with their chairs in the audience because nobody was paying attention anymore so um some of these experiences are apparently universal but um that just blew my mind the idea of showing up to that movie with kids like 20 minutes late would be the most disorienting thing you could possibly do to somebody but anyway yeah i don't know man cats is a it's a singular thing for sure yeah. All right. So, uh, here, listen, I'll just throw down some thoughts Please. about your, uh, Judy Dench final scene here Great. and then I'll, and then, and then we'll, I'll get out of here. So, we'll uh, the Judy Dench thing, since you brought it up, the, the fourth wall breaking, it is so conceited and arrogant. This movie is so arrogant. Okay. First it has the arrogance and like the disgusting confidence to be like, you know what? Okay, our CGI effects are not only so good that we're gonna take this play and just slap it into a film because, and then it's gonna be interesting because we're gonna have CGI effects. The effects, okay, they look so poor and then the movie is like, yo, our effects look so good, we're gonna show them in sunlight and we're gonna show them so close up in this, like, you know, documentary filming style. The confidence and... that requires, no one has ever possessed. Yes. <laughs> Dude, it upsets me so much. Okay, <laughs> so there's that. And then just in terms of the message of what she's saying, and I'm sure this is from uh, the original play because it is like kind of part of a song. So that must be in the original. Um, and this is where I really want to stress that my problems with this movie aren't just of the movie. I haven't seen the play, but from what I can tell, this play sucks. Okay, the <laughs> music. And I don't give it like I'm not going to. We didn't even I'm talk not gonna, about the music, Liam. There's not enough yeah. time in the world. <laughs> okay, dude, Please, I honestly... No, 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 talk about the music. Because you said it didn't still, make you want to sing anymore. Yeah, I still have so much to say, honestly. We can and, keep uh, going. Okay. I just wasn't sure if we were done, but if you want to talk more, I got time. Like, okay, so... Okay, so the Judy Dench thing. She, in this sing-song that is from the play, I would imagine, she has the gall to be like, okay what this movie is getting at is that we're actually trying to teach you a thing or two about cats we're gonna give you a life lesson about cats and that life lesson is that names. is that cats like need to be respected okay mm -hmm. they have lives of their own and that mm -hmm. they're not just like dogs they're special like whoever wrote this has a clear reverence <laughs> has a clear reverence for cats and uh, dude i respect that all right Animals are dope. Cats are also dope. But the rest of the movie, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it really has nothing to do with cats. A few of the songs at the beginning are like the most base observations about what a cat is like. Well, Liam, the songs are about those specific cats, though. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, but those, <laughs> those specific cats, like they're not doing anything you...
to make them a character. The uh, the traits that are English. being described in this in these songs aren't like character traits. They're just supposed to be cat traits that are then attributed to a cat in order to make them seem like characters. You know what I mean? I think magical is a character trait. <laughs> but like they're all pretty magical. Two of them are magical. Well, three of them are magical, I think. I think it stops at three. Um <gasps> I think yeah. the cavity is magical. Magical Mr. Mistopheles, naturally. And old Deuteronomy clearly knows some kind of magic. Well, you have these lyrics about cats that are just like super, super base observations that honestly, in a lot of the cases, could be applied to dogs too. They're like, How dare you, put you? A cat, you put a cat inside, it wants to go outside. You put a cat outside, it wants to be inside. It likes to run around your house. Like, okay, those are dog things too. And then... The lyrics of all these things and the rhyming schemes are so pedestrian. They'll be like, yo, I'm fat because I'm a cat. And then the next year lyric is like, I'm a cat because I'm fat. Like it's, they just, they reverse the rhyme and they just repeat the same thing in order to make the previous line slightly different from the last line while also stating the same thing every every line in a musical i think should either like deepen the character or further the plot and every line in this thing what it, plot liam there is no plot <laughs> that's what i'm saying but further the plot of what you can't task a song to do the fucking impossible <laughs> right and so when it becomes clear that okay this movie isn't able that thing then what should the lyrics do they should be saying something interesting perhaps about these characters perhaps about the world they're living in but it does none of those things all the lyrics are just spoken sort of sing-songy things about uh, first off they're just like about how cats are cats and like we need to respect them and if they're not about that then they're just very cliched vague like platitudes about uh like feeling sad in the moonlight the memory song and then um beautiful ghost is a pretty all right song i thought how does that one go um it's the one that i don't remember the words because i don't know the lyrics did not stay with me but it's about like hey man victoria sings it to grizabelle it's like yo you got a lot of shit in your life you dealt with a lot but you carry that with you and there are other people with you too and Beautiful ghosts. I genuinely don't really remember what it's about. Mm. I just remember no, enough yeah. to say to Mitch after, like, those back-to-back were pretty all right. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, so uh, I'm glad we podcasted for this long because I'll, we got something positive out of the movie. I'll say something. Now that you've reminded me, I think the, those there were a couple pairing of lyrics in that song that I actually thought were... Um, quite poignant there was something about how memories fade away and so maybe um all we have to live with is like the beautiful ghosts of our past so, some sort of sentiment like that and i think that's yeah that's that's pretty cool i don't think it means anything like in the context of this movie i think that's something that like andrew lloyd weber must have like scribbled on a napkin one day when he was feeling uh sort of like moody and uh poetic and then he put it in a play or whatever but the the songs are like so tell and don't show like they're so explanatory but they're also there's nothing to tell because there's no plot to the movie so all of them just feel very empty and then in the moments when 
the characters are supposed to be feeling something like when Jennifer Hudson <laughs> is bawling and snot is dripping out of her nose in an it's homage to the Blair crazy, Witch Project. Right? You can literally, like, the way the digital effects work, it's like, because clearly she was feeling it during the song, right? So I think that was mm-hmm. on her real human face. And then it just yeah. is still visible, but on like a half cat face in a way that's very upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, and so the fact that they they have uh, directed Jennifer Hudson to, like, really give it her all here, because I'm not going to say any of these people are bad actors, all right, but I am going to say that all these performances are awful because they are in this movie and they should be different performances. So Jennifer Hudson is, like, bawling and and singing her heart out about how, like, she's such an emo cat, but it doesn't mean anything in this movie because we don't know like we don't quite know who she is She's and an we don't know Liam what more do you need <laughs> oh my god and so someone's like, not it thinking just... like a jellical cat oh god I hate it dude stop saying <laughs> it please <laughs> it's like it's not funny <laughs> it's so funny so much money was spent on this movie um, a real jellical and... budget <laughs> Mm. And so when <laughs> when Jennifer Hudson is just like going so hard here, it is just so overwrought and like disgusting and 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 then and then when people really start to sing because most of the music in this movie, most of the singing is like more of like a speak singing. There's not really a melody, a vocal melody to latch onto. It kind of just drifts by you. And the actual music, the instrumentation is is turned down quite low compared to the the voices. Um you know, I kind of expect when you go to see a musical, you know, movies are so loud these days that it should be like you're listening to like a really well-produced album on like a super high volume and you're just enveloped by all these different instruments and sounds and stuff. Whereas the music here felt really like stock and flat and I wasn't able to pick out when anything cool was happening in the in the instrumentation, if anything cool was ever actually happening because it was so low and flat and so when we get all this speak singing on top of it it sort of just drifts by without latching on at all and that's why when you were bringing up these songs at the beginning of the podcast i was saying is that in the movie because it's not that the movie was forgettable i think i've already established that this is one of the most memorable movies i've ever seen and i'm never going to forget it and there's so much stuff in here that is like images that are burned into my brain like a la hereditary there's you know james <laughs> corden like drinking that liquid and his tongue it's is the flapping around thing. for like a solid it lasts dude like a solid Seven five seconds. or six seconds like that segment was like inspired by ari Aster. where is ari Aster's <laughs> cats <laughs> okay so the movie the movie is not forgettable but i think the music is is very forgettable and then um, and that's largely due to the speak singing. And then there are a couple moments where someone just like wails and it's turned up so, so loud. There's a song, <laughs> like maybe one of the first one or two songs. I think it's just like a backup cat 
Um, it was still early in the movie, so maybe this ended up being a main character. But someone just like shrieks a super high note, and it's just so off. They had Jason Derulo do that a few times. It might have been him. There's a yeah, few songs yeah. he, where he, he just did picks pretty... up the falsetto in the back. Like, yeah, yeah, that was rough. And then I think the worst offender is when Jennifer Hudson is singing her really dramatic song right near the end, where she's bawling and she goes like. Um, from her chest voice to her head voice and she just really starts wailing and it's just like it it pierces in a way that isn't as emotional as i think it's supposed to be and instead it just it feels like a total assault like this movie it what is an assault on like all my senses in yeah. this movie does not have a an emotional core like obviously like so it does feel weird because you can tell jennifer hudson has gotten herself to a place where she's really in the moment and like supremely giving a shit and it's like in service of what like why you know like yeah yeah and the illusion of an emotional core but i almost feel like we're talking about this too seriously all like because if you think about it hmm. cats already exists right and it's it's a known quantity People knew what this was going in and it is literally a musical with no plot about cats played by people. Is it fair to expect the conventional structure of a movie from that? I don't think it is. Uh, we knew no. what the deal was. Right. But I think when uh, it's okay. So 20, 30 minutes into the movie, I knew that it was no longer going to be conventional, but like you said, the movie like isn't self-aware and it's not, it doesn't seem to be laughing at itself. So the elements of like these human cats dancing together and singing these songs about their lives, I do feel like those should be emotionally impacting, not in the terms of like a traditional narrative sense, because that's not what the movie is going for. But it's also not going for like just a super like surrealist movie that you're supposed to gape and guffaw and laugh at it's actually it feels like it's it's trying to draw reactions out of an audience that an audience would have in a traditionally narrative movie while also not being that honestly i think tom hooper just kind of misunderstands the material he was working with in like a really profound way because on top of lacking that awareness of itself it's also like how it's shot and so much of it is like shaky handheld tight like it looks like a fucking war drama and it's like tom dancing cats like what are we doing what is your plan why is this so like immediate <laughs> you know like that's not what this is about why are you presenting it to me in this way? Oh, boy. I don't know. Yeah. And so I, I would love to uh, read the eventual book or see the eventual documentary 20 years from now. I would really like to know what uh, Tom Hooper's relationship. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, maybe, dude, and I'm sure this information is already out there. Maybe he is, like, a huge Cats fan and he was just, like, this needs to be on the big screen. Um, we need to see these characters who I love so much in a different way. And like, 
it'd be cool if some people who are just massive massive fans of the musical just like want all the cats they can get and they went to see this and because this is so close to the play while also having a bit of like neat elements in it that hopefully don't uh contradict like who the audience understands these characters to be or something maybe those people will really really appreciate this movie sorry i don't think the audience understands these characters to be anybody like we've said like they have like there's one at most defining character trait maybe half a defining character trait per cat right and I, i don't mean when i say that i don't mean a general audience you mean the, who the, have like the seen Jellicle the play fans. a bunch of times and they've really started like they know all the names and they've seen the play enough to be able to distinguish these characters who are basically indistinguishable. I like I can't fathom like how these people would think, but maybe maybe they're out there and they just love seeing um, this story told again. But because it's so hard for me to think that that's the case and there can't be that many of those people again i really struggled to just to think who this movie was made for you know a hundred million dollars into this movie they had to be anticipating attention uh like monetary attention from a lot of different groups and you know i can't figure out if it was like 10 year old kids who were gonna laugh at james corden getting hit in the crotch i can't tell if it's like people who are fans of taylor swift and jason derulo people who are fans of the pitch perfect rebel wilson type comedy people who are fans of musicals in general people who are fans of like big blockbusters i really i can't figure it out dude i don't i don't know who it's this people was prepared to see the musical moment of the year <laughs> and i think those are it's those people are the people prepared to believe because if you'll remember, the poster and trailer both say, you will believe. What am I going to believe? Hopefully they don't think that I'm going to believe that these cats are real because they're sorely fucking mistaken. But um, I certainly have thoughts and feelings. Uh, that's a hilarious tagline. That really, you will I can believe. tell. I feel like like Tom Hooper. I believe like, what, Tom, like, you fucking wrote idiot. that tagline himself because it very much feels in line with like that final Judy Dench scene where it's like, yo, we're like about to say that cats aren't like dogs and then we're going to drop the mic. Wow, you know? now that I'm thinking about it, I really hate that fucking tagline. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I mean, it feels on brand, but I truly, hate it too. <laughs> truly. The most on brand slogan they could have possibly had is you will believe because that's a pretty open-ended statement <laughs> you can believe all kinds <laughs> like of things like that's that's the sort of tagline that could be it could mean anything and be meant for anyone you know but it also means nothing at the same time it really it's perfect just like the word jellicle which is never really defined because uh, yeah. she says it's like jellicle cats are cats that do and then she just lists like things that most cats do and i was like okay so it's all cats in this area if you exist in this geographic area unless you're a mccavity who commits real human crime you're a jellicle cat are we is there anything else did we miss anything it's been nearly two hours uh no i mean a genuine like, I, question I, I don't want to gloss over anything you have to say yeah no like i uh I'll be talking about this movie for the rest of my life i'm sure so there there is still a lot to say but i think I think we've done our due diligence here and um you know I think there's a lot of people 
at fault in making this movie, you know? <laughs> People Taylor Swift, punished. James Corden, Tom Hooper, Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know, it's not just a movie problem. Fucking T.S. Uh, Eliot, too. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, what have you started, T.S. Eliot? And, uh, you know, just, like, go watch the Garbage Pail Kids movie instead or something. <laughs> I don't know. Honest answer, go see Little Women. That movie fucking kicks ass. If you really want to go to the theater and you want to have, I don't know, a good time with a good movie with like an emotional center and like things to say um and performances that are good um and exist in real human life go see little women um yeah i don't know cats is like i said cats is singular i don't think we'll ever have anything quite like this ever again and that's something that's good. No, I'll commit. I'm happy that's true. I'm glad we have cats. But I don't know what my relationship with it will be moving forward. Um, That's not up for me to decide. I think cats will invoke itself in my life when it chooses. And that's fine. Um, Why not live at the whims of a malevolent film god? Uh, Thank every... Wow, boy, that really fried my brain, huh? I was going to say thank everybody for listening, um, which I guess is what I'm doing, but thank you once again, everybody, for listening to another absolute existential meltdown on They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, and I don't know, everything else, I guess, as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast.gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your favorite cat from Cats. If the answer's not Skimble Shanks, you have to stop listening. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, you Graham so Haunted defeated. Marshmallow, on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd. <laughs> My username is Graham the Mallow. And like I wish this were a performance. Like I wish I were doing a bit. You that's exhausted. Like, that's like, yo, like Liam just didn't like this movie and now he's acting like he's dead inside. No, like I, it's dude, it's midnight. We talked about this movie for like two hours, and in talking about it, like I felt like I watched it again. I'm just reminded at how honestly uh upset this movie made me and uh it's tough to go through it all over again, you know? I'm, so uh, I'm genuinely check, check sorry. me out on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can catch me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price. Um, the Jellicle choice um, of a Twitter follow. And uh, with that, we're going to go um, mentally and emotionally recoup from this experience. And you can catch us here next time for more. They made another one? Mm-hmm.